You're listening to Red Nation Online. Waking the Reds, Duncan Fletcher, and I'm Ian Clark, and we're live post-game as TFC's winless streak continues in a 4-1 loss to New York Red Bulls. Avoiding past humiliations along the lines of 5-0, Toronto come out looking strong, but it never appeared like they could withstand the quality of New York over 90 minutes. We run through the match, single out the bad, but also find some good, and as it seems every September with TFC, we lament on the state of management and try our best to finish strong looking ahead to two important fixtures for Canada and World Cup qualifying. All in the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. But here's the most important thing, Duncan and I, that I've uh, researched leading into this. Yeah. Um, coming into this game, where it's uh, the expression goes. Talking out of turn, that's a paddling. <laughs> Looking out the window, that's a paddling. Staring at, staring at my sandals, that's a paddling. Paddling the school canoe, that's a paddling. Oh yeah, and away to New York Red Bulls, oh you better believe, that's <laughs> yeah. a paddling. It's a paddling, and, every uh, time. I had that quote lined up before the game, and believe <laughs> it or not, for once... For once, it's been a, it's been a rough season on the predictions, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this is straightforward, really, wasn't it? Yeah, hey, it wasn't five nil. Baby steps. Duncan Fletcher waking the red class <laughs> half full all Woo! the time. Yes, it was a lovely goal. Anyway. Well, that's how it that's how it started off. But let's uh, before the game though, Duncan. I think it's worth worth a little bit of lead up because uh, you know you're on you're on your site. You get the predictions coming in. Are you smarter than Precky? <laughs> yeah. How many people were smarter than Precky? A lot. Uh, 3-1 was the, the, the popular choice. I think that uh, Henri goal at the end there kind of knocked, uh, ruined a few people's predictions, but uh, yeah, everyone was going for the loss. But I think there was one guy who just, yeah, that's his thing, every every game he predicts a win, so he kept going with that, but yeah, everyone was predicting a loss. And yourself? Everyone was smarter than Precky, yeah. I went with a 5-0. <coughs> oh, I, really? I wasn't far off. You're consistent if nothing, Duncan, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> when it goes away to yeah. New York. Yes. And you know what's funny about that actually is the only time we haven't get completely smashed in New York was 2010. 2010, what happened then? I well, Precky was the head Precky, coach. Precky, yes. We only lost 1-0 if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, hey. I don't know what you'd call Pre- that. Precky's smarter than everybody apparently. Yeah, he can. He knows how to, <laughs> he knows how to play Red Bulls away. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Chris Cummins doesn't know how to do it away. Nope. Aaron Vinter doesn't want to play them away, and Paul nope. Mariner doesn't. That's three. Yeah. Uh, Precky's better yeah. than all of them. He lost four-one to New York at home, though. That was Precky. Ooh. Oh was, yeah. Carl yeah. yeah. Robinson scored. I think somebody got a comedy on goal. It was it was a very bizarre game. But yeah. So it's it's everybody. New York wow, can score goals against Toronto. Yeah, there's a lot of. A lot of ways we can go with this matchup, Toronto and uh, New York, but uh, I think it's worth, you know, going right into the game off the start and saying uh, how shocked we were in those opening five minutes, because we weren't completely dominated off the start, and lo and behold, 
you know, almost a, as the season winds down, it was almost a flashback to that that first game of the season against Seattle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lovely goal from Johnson. I mean, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was obviously in a lot of space. I don't know who was supposed to be marking him, but no one was. So I mean, he got the ball. There was only one thing he was going to do. And as soon as he hit it, it's like, oh, that's going in. And it did. And yeah, it's like five minutes in, we're winning. And we'd, we'd only hit the post before that as well. It's yeah. like and they hit the post. We were going for it. It was working. It's like, Wee. it was never going to last. Like even at the time before they equalized, we all knew it wasn't going to last. But hey, this is nice, and you know that's just a lovely goal. Yeah, and you but know, so, it, you, I don't know if you probably wouldn't have night. caught it coming in, but there was in the pregame uh, the, the thorough analysis that was done. Mm. They were talking about Ryan Johnson and saying how. Even Ryan Johnson's disappointed with his output this season. I think now is with this game he's sitting on seven. He had six heading into the game, and they were sort of saying it's a disappointing year for him. I don't know if I'd, I'd necessarily say it's been a disappointing year for Johnson. If you look at, he's not. I wouldn't categorize him as a primary goal scorer. Uh, no. I, I'd ideally want him as your third uh, option to to put away chances. Uh, seven goals without Kovermans for most of the season, without Frings for a chunk of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these games, he's sort of been up alone in the wilderness yes. by himself. And, you know, those that first opening stretch of the year when Kovermans was down, I mean, you could just see that it was, there just wasn't a lot of support, or the support wasn't quite mm-hmm. at the level uh, to get him what he needed. You know, that goal, and then we're watching on the replay right now, matter of fact, it was... Gorgeous. Uh, yeah, just from the second he got on his feet, and you see the, the shot on the screen was sort of like, you could see the space that he yeah. had, and you're like, he can put that away. Absolutely, yeah. You can say, oh, this is, he's got a chance here. He's going for it, and that's going right in. Just watching the replay again, just the, uh, what's his name, Luis Robles, just like his dive for it. The whole thing's very pretty. Yeah. Just that very spectacular, failing dive by the goalie. It's like, eh. That's very nice. And I think through this year, I mean, there's, we might touch on it later on, but I mean, you can go through, as I'm sure everyone has in, on your site or in different discussions with people or whatnot saying, you know, what are the positive, what are the negatives, who should stay, who should go, whatever. Um, you know, on that touch, I'd also say that Johnson is one of the players, I yeah, think, who's for sure. who's consistently sort of put in the effort and, and, mm. and had that fight, in quotes, that yeah. uh, Mariner loves to talk about. Yes. Yeah, I think Ryan Johnson has had a good year. I mean, you look at him at the start of the season, like even in pre-season, like the Champions League games against Seattle, he looked just really lively, athletic, and dangerous. And, you know, he was scoring a few goals here or there. And basically, you know, he's playing as a centre-forward. He took a lot of punishment, and he played, like, pretty much every minute of every game for a long time of the season. And so eventually he looked kind of beaten down. And you know, if you kind of watch him off the ball... And when he has to run, he seems okay, but when you know plays in the other half of the field and he just looks like he's sort of limping and old and he looks like beat up and in pain and you know he's taken a lot of punishment, but then you know when the ball comes to him will be a bit lively. But uh, yeah, he's he's had a very good year and uh, as you say, seven goals, that that's not bad from Johnson. Yeah. No, no. He was always gonna be a secondary scorer and you know, that's about his level. He's he's done his bit. He can hold his head up for the season. Yeah, I don't think there's many that can. He can. <laughs> and as we're celebrating uh, this one-nil lead, <laughs> yeah. um, it lasted. Uh, you know, hey, Five it was par for the course minutes, on, so. on the season for us. I mean, it was longer than the, the lead we had against Chicago earlier in the season. Yes. 
I think it, it may have been longer than the entire time we ever held the lead under Aaron Vinter in the league this season, yep. which I think was limited to like four minutes in ten games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, five minutes was it six? Yeah. It was short. It, it didn't take long. And it was this would that goal would sort of begin the theme of the night because uh, obviously I think the first thing I, I noticed when they took that corner I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like Thierry Henry is delivering the set pieces and delivering the corner kicks on this night. Mm-hmm. You would think you want your most dangerous uh, one of your most dangerous strikers yeah. on there but no it, it didn't matter yeah. because well, I mean he, he scored from a corner like just last week against Columbus so you know that obviously brings that threat but yeah you know they've got uh, they've still got Kenny Cooper in there he can do what he needs to do Tim Cahill theoretically should be very good at corners and everything I mean I don't know how many chances he messed up tonight you know for a big you know DP Sort of superstar player and everything's supposed to be really good in the air. That just really didn't happen at all. But you know they've obviously got a lot of threats. So yeah, why not let Henri take the corners? And that's that's TFC set piece defending. It it all broke down again. Yeah, yeah. and that was uh, you know that was the point roughly around then that I think there was that that glimmer of a positive play from Toronto FC uh, sort of faded away. If you're watching the broadcast, I think they tried to frame it a little bit differently, <laughs> trying to make it seem like this was something a little more toe to toe. I was observing something they were back more. Back and forth. TSC were putting on the pressure, and oh wow, yeah. Yeah, I was. I wasn't observing the same kind of pressure at both ends. I was seeing, you know, the the way that I described it or the, was was wave after wave. Like yes. Toronto went down. It, it seemed very disjointed. It was more like they would send the ball down, whereas you know, New York would sort of win the ball back mm. and counter yes. and have this, they this were wave of pressure. They were taking the ball forward, very controlled, a lot of players going forward. It was, especially the first half down, like their right wing, our type left, I don't know who was on left midfield, especially, I think it was like Reggie Lamb uh, for that half, but uh, it was Lloyd Sam. Who? So, Lloyd, <laughs> yeah. Lloyd Sam on their right wing, who just like constantly had so much time and space and so many breaks they uh, they went down there and yeah they got numbers forward but it was all very controlled it looked dangerous tfc is like well, something might happen maybe but uh yeah there, there was you know, no disguising that uh you know, they, they were a lot better than us yeah and i think that's for me that's really two games in a row that's sort of um, highlighted really how depleted toronto's midfield has become Especially like against yep. when you match up against. I mean, to be fair, LA and New York probably have two of the better midfielders in the league. Yeah, um, if you just look at it on paper, who's got the most talent? It's those two teams. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we saw that even even if you looked at it in terms of talent, like I wouldn't. If I looked at New York's midfield and I named throughout names like uh, Joel and Pear, Tim Cahill, Lloyd Sam, I suppose. Dax McCarty probably wouldn't be at the top of the list, but I would probably say he was one of the most important components of that midfield because he was the one who was winning balls back, and that's the guy that Toronto is missing. And dare I say, Julian de Guzman might have been the only guy that we've had in the last little while that that I'm trying to draw a comparison to Mm -hmm. that's now gone that could have maybe countered that uh, on our side. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned Dax McCarty. I think when Rafa Marquez has been playing, he's been kind of pushed out to the right wing and he hasn't been effective. But with Marquez injured, he's kind of back in the middle. And yeah, he was out there winning balls and everything. And, you know, yeah, don't, you look at like the TFC equivalent. You say to Guzman, yeah, he should be out there being able to counter that. Dunfield does what he does. Uh, Aaron Mond, does, does Aaron Mond do anything? I, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. We, listen, we, we said it last week. We yeah. said last week, you know, not since Joseph Nan. <laughs> Have, has there been this head scratching this this like I've, that's a good comparison I've got a little like bald spot on the back of my head here and I know it's not from um, my age or wearing a hat all the time it's because I'm like, I'm gonna do Sanyang I, I feel like you know, Sanyang looked good defensively at least sometimes yes. I, I will back up Sanyang defensively there's huh? time if they had the right pairing with him there was games where he looked good sure yeah. Uh, he was a, he was probably one of the worst passers of the ball. Yeah. But like you said, as as that defensive midfielder, you even we you know we kind of, I mean, way out there. We're talking about like a Makaleli type of guy mm. who just patrolled in front of that in front of the back four. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that Sanding might have been good for that. But uh, Aaron Mon is still like a it's a peculiar choice week after week after week. You know, we were talking about this this wave after wave, and eventually, very quickly, is you know the themes at the end of the night. We can look back and say. They were they were starting to happen early on in this game because of the three goals right off the bat in the first third, and the mm-hmm. third one, the, the first one for New York was set up by Henry, the second one again set up by Henry where he gets that space. It's 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 just like just sucks everyone towards him. You know they all yes. think it's all Henry and yeah. there's and there's Cooper left all alone. No yeah. one really closes him down and uh, just mm-hmm. slots it and. Yeah. You see Eckersley Kenny once Cooper, again. what's like 14 goals has he had this year? I think yeah. he's on 16 it's now. It's okay. Well, he's probably 16 now, yes. Yeah, TFC will help. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, oh, you don't need to mark him. Yeah, everyone go to Ron Ree. Yeah. yeah. I want his shirt after the game. That's what I'm, that's what I'm positioning for. <laughs> Ryan Johnson was the big winner tonight. Yeah. He got on Ree's shirt. Well, he scored, he scored the big goal, so hey, I think he deserved he it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we roll into the half. And I almost want to, I don't want to like gloss over this middle part of the game, but you know, the only comment I would make on that is that if I was a Red Bulls fan, up until like the 85th minute, I'd be starting to get a little annoyed maybe that the score is still 2-1 to one here. Uh, yeah, what are you waiting for? They're, they're there for the taking. I think, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, how it was just constantly down their right wing, like whoever was on left midfield just wasn't doing the job. The second half, Ryan Johnson was moved out to left midfield. And in that case, you know, he did a lot better in that respect. I mean, they weren't just breaking again and again down the right. So that was a good adjustment. But, you know, that obviously takes away the threat Johnson brought from the middle goal scoring. And, you know, we had, uh, you know, there was a couple of long distance Terry Dunfield efforts. I think one of them, like 40 yards out, bounced twice before he got to the goalie. But, you know, <laughs> it rolled. Yes, it rolled to the goalie. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we didn't look threatening at all, but you know, we, we had some nice possession. You know, I think we got that possession stat up from like 35% at halftime up to 43 or 44%. Yeah. So, you know, there's, that's something, I guess. Yeah. We were never going to score, but we looked a little more controlled. They didn't really look like scoring much, but then, you know, obviously we get to the last five minutes yeah. and oh, there it is. I feel like, again, it's like... I have this impression from this team, especially when they play a team that has quality in the court. And last week against LA, where even though the game on the score is is relatively close, it's a kind of a matter of when they want to turn it up, they're just <laughs> able to oh, and absolutely. make it happen. Yeah. So I don't want to say worried because it's just like I'm, you know, because I think we're maybe all a little tired of the spin zone that happens after <laughs> these games. And in a 2-1 scoreline, I could already see it. You know, I could already see, like, hey, you go log yes. on to TorontoFC.ca and be like, oh, so close. Mm. Or, like, you know, started so brightly and just yep. just slipped away. Hey, they showed some good fight in the second half. I mean, oh, yeah, there was, like, 87, 88 minutes, was it? It was still 2-1. 
could have gone either way. I, oh, so close again. Right, yeah. and I think we, we touched on it last week, and it's like, you know, Darren O'D made the, the perfect comment where he's just like, well, you know, it's pretty easy to play when you're down 3-1. Mm. You know, talk to me when it's nil-nil. <laughs> talk to me. They had a 1-nil lead. Yeah, no they had, Toronto had a lead, lead. Yes. right? So it's like, yeah. you have to look at it like that. Yeah. Like, And even... Well, we're going to touch on this at the end in terms of, like, smoke and mirrors of, like, oh, you know, we can... There's excuses. Yeah, there's a lot of... There's always an excuse, it seems like, that there's something going on. But, you know, that's... But that's where it's, like, you know, as a manager or as the players, you know, you're up 1-0. You know, you need to you need to recognize where you're at in the game and what you need to do accordingly mm-hmm. in order to secure the result. Yeah. But, no, let's let them score an easy goal from a set piece. Oh. Who's marking this guy? Okay, yeah, I'm not going to run with him. The area he's running into, that guy's not going to pay attention either. Oh, it's a goal. Yeah. That was, what, like five, six minutes later? Well done. Yeah. Well done. To round this round this 90-plus minutes of joy that went on today at uh, Red Bulls Arena, <laughs> yes. you know, the, it's almost like uh, at the 27th minute uh, we had, or sorry, the 20, 26th or 28th minute, uh, Henri almost had a carbon copy of his of his first goal. The first goal he set up to Cooper is almost the exact same one where mm-hmm. he pulls in all the defenders and then just slots it across to Cooper who knocks in another goal. Yep. Yeah. And then in extra time, uh, perfect through ball that just catches Henri on the break. And I I remembered uh, when they came to Toronto, he had this opportunity, not quite you know on the break, but he did have one where he tried to chip it. Mm-hmm in the top right corner it just drifted a little bit too high and sort of hit like the back of the netting and I, I'm wondering if he saw this opportunity and said wow I get my chance again to score a goal from out here on <laughs> Toronto FC I'm not going to screw it up and yeah. it, unbelievable yeah. that goal it, oh it was a fantastic goal I mean you know maybe it is I mean Freddie Hall had come off his line I, and he was nowhere near really challenging to get the ball so I don't know exactly quite where he was going but he'd come off his line and the, the chip was on and yeah Henri I, I don't like him but I mean throughout the whole game you could tell I mean he's just on a different class just a lot of like the passes he was putting in he created like all three goals and he was a class above and then like that one goal I mean he didn't even take a touch to control it was just the ball came through and just first touch chipped it right in the top corner um, yeah it's just fantastic stuff but there we go that's the, the quality that uh, TFC just really doesn't have and you know, to be fair, most teams in the league don't have that quality. But well, let's talk about let's talk about because you know we kind of touched on this at the start of the game. You know what this game, where Toronto's sitting right now, which is really a lot of trouble. <laughs> They're yes. in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and it's it's kind of surprising. I find it week after week that they seem to not totally recognize sort of like where they're at or what they need to do. You know, they're going to go into New York tonight. They know New York's fighting for a playoff spot and they're going to put it on the line. And they're fighting for a playoff spot with DC United, who we're fortunate enough to play uh, next weekend. <laughs> yes. Who's now going to be yeah. trying to, to close up the goal difference. I mean, yeah. that's what it's coming down to, right? Is goal mm-hmm. difference and goals for and whatever. Yep. Not an enviable position for us to be in. Yeah. Like we, they, both those teams had 50 points Obviously, New York's now on 53. I think New York had 50 goals, DC had 47. So there's only a three-goal difference. Obviously, D- New York got four. Now DC's going to be looking at TFC next week as yeah, this is their chance to really get a whole bunch of goals, close that gap in case you know they do end up tied on points at the end of the season. So, yeah, that uh, should be another fun game. And it's the kind of thing, 
Duncan, where it's like, you know, I try to, we've mixed up the pod with different voices here and there, and trying to get the question of, and every, and like I said, everyone's kind of gone through this even at this point, because it's been, it's been almost a month now where I think we've sort of been like out of the picture. And already looking ahead to 2013. <laughs> well, like you say, we've been like realistically out of the picture for for five months. But yeah, even mathematically speaking, that's, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm talking mathematically speaking. <laughs> Anything could have happened. Hey, we don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, if you listen yeah. to the pod, I mean, Tim Vickery would have been saying after the third game, uh, we're in in deep yeah. shit. And uh, some of us yes. held on yeah. for a couple more weeks. I um, got a tweet today saying, uh, yeah, after the second game when we lost three 0 to San Jose in uh, the first home game. At that point, it was obvious we were done, apparently. <laughs> I was going to like seven or eight games in. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, mathematically, yeah, just around about a month or so now. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of like, I, it's a tough question to even pose, because you're like, there's, there's what we could talk about. But then, of course, there's the reality mm. of, of dealing with the team and, and what they're able to pull off with, because uh, I would say I have... I don't have much confidence in the team being able to make the right moves uh, to get this team on track, unfortunately. Mm, um, yeah. Sorry to be a downer. <laughs> Duncan, you just got your hey, your glass refilled. My glass the top. is like 80% full Mine right Mine is down about 10% um, here. Yes. Cronenberg's, yeah. it's, it's, I can see the numbers peeking <laughs> above it at the bottom of this glass. But I mean, let's, I mean for, let's segue out of the game. We'll segue into this quick for a bit because I, you know, you and I actually haven't talked about probably sat down and talked about the team for months you know if, if you're looking at what you're seeing tonight let's just say like probably you've got one thing one thing to sort out on field what are you thinking one thing that needs to be sorted out yeah wow one thing if i can give you like carte blanche like <laughs> all right you get like you know what i mean like to finish off this year you get one thing or to start the next year one thing a player a position like you name it I don't know, I think you know the obvious thing again is the centre back, and it's basically depth throughout the squad. It's like the first team, you know, people who you want starting every game. You know, it's probably about at least four or five new guys we need for that. You know, backup. There's probably another like five or six guys we need for that. I mean, that's obviously the big thing. Yeah, it's it, it's really difficult to narrow down to one thing. Even aside from the depth, it's like just basic competence. I mean. Mariner's obviously come in, you know, he's made comments about he's not really trying to play the beautiful game right now because of the team he's got, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you're trying to just keep it sort of basic, solid, defensive thing. I, I don't get any confidence in that at all. I mean, you know, Preki, a lot of problems there for sure, but say what you want, Preki played defense competently. Yeah. He could organize a defense. He, you know, Preki ball, if you want to call it that, it was at least competent. Now it's like we, we've got incompetent pricky ball yeah um so I many think, things to change yeah and i think god who, who would have thought it would come to the point where i'd be defending pricky mm. or, or or putting him up on any kind of pedestal I, I will come out and say just obviously had personality issues but just like strictly coaching wise on the field i liked it well yeah because that's the thing that's like that we're at you also bear in mind what I'm going to say. I mean, like Preki started the season with what something like a roster of 16 or 17. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, I mean to be because I'm trying to draw a comparison where it's like, well, that's not fair. He had a preseason, but I mean, at the same time, he did have a preseason with 15 players. <laughs> he couldn't even yes. play, which was partially his own the, fault. Dan Gargan getting changed in a cab on the way to the first game yeah. or something. Is that the story? Yeah. But I mean, just again, just trying to like draw the bigger picture here, where 
in, in a short period of time after those brutal games, I can distinctly remember the team looking organized. As, as yep. poor as the players were, you know, and often when I'm talking about how the players on the team and the quality, I do think player for player, that was quality-wise, that was probably the worst team Toronto's had. And this, this our incarnation of Toronto right now uh, is, is getting pretty close. I mean, mm-hmm. take away, obviously with some injuries, that, that's doing it. But the team we're watching now, player for player, quality-wise, you know, I, I made the comparison. I mean, not since Joseph Nan. Well, who played Joseph Nan a lot? Yeah, it's a good point. And, yeah, it's a Preki's team is generally... You know, Dan Gargan at right back, Mick Garcia at left back, uh, Nana Adakora along with Adrian Cannon in the middle, which at the time it seemed you know, this is a solid defence. Whereas, you know, Garcia, everyone kind of thought he was hopeless, but played his part. Nana Adakora has done nothing since since he he left Preki's team, essentially. He's yeah. just gone backwards and... Where is he? Now he's, he's in Finland. Finland. He's at Hakka. He like and he's, and he's, played, he's, hey, he's played his first yeah. two games in that full 90 minutes. So. But, I mean, you look at the, the the squad, the quality that Preki had, and it's like, yeah, there's not much there. But they they were defensively confident. Yeah. Uh, in a way that, you know, I don't get any kind of confidence from, like, looking at Paul Mariner's team, that they're building any kind of base to, to build from. I think, you know, Preki had, you know, that base sort of competence, and he yeah. never really did it well or got the chance to do it well to really build on top of that and expanding to be a good all-round team. Yeah. I, I don't see anything on the pitch that suggests that Paul Mariner is slowly building that base. Yes, and that's, I think, what you'd hope for through the end of well, the season. So the yeah. season has been lost for the most part that you're you're seeing signs for what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully, yes. Pre-season I, 2013 has been for months. And yeah. The, the, yeah, there's, there's nothing that's really providing hope for 2013 yeah. right and, the, and you know what I think since we're I mean we're pretty much on this topic I want to roll into smoke and mirrors because mm-hmm. I don't think we can I don't you know the pod is moving along here and I don't want this to slip through our fingers because I think it's worth it this is a, <laughs> this is a worthy discussion of having chill because you know I drew the comparison you know as and it's it's funny that you know you read the sun and it's for a long time they were strong advocates and supporters of Rob Ford and now it's like the tr- <laughs> that's the place you can find those who are supporting uh, Paul Mariner and this week we saw something where, you know, we get this quote from Mariner saying, hey, if you want to be hypercritical, then be hypercritical. Thank you, Paul. Yes, and, I will. And, you know, yeah. we've probably got about 70% of our salary cap on the treatment table, which is never a good thing. Mm. Um, and then, the, you know, the article goes on to name Remoff, uh, a list of players who, who, who are missing from the team and, and, and a part of these poor results. Yeah, I mean, but then, what can we do? Our hands are tied. Yes, oh. you know, we've, we've lost Torsten Frings, which oh. the, same, the same paper, you know, a month and a half ago was essentially petitioning for Frings to be let go. Yes. Yet now he's a reason why yeah. we're not playing so good because yeah. of his injuries. So, Mariner was blaming Frings for the, the Santos Laguna loss and then, yeah, the Sun kind of jumped in. It's like, yeah, Frings isn't good enough. You know, should we be getting rid of him at the end of the season? It's like, yeah, okay. You're you're saying you know, Frings, it would be best to be without him, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, Frings being out is the reason we're struggling. And you you can't have it both ways. Right, and then to mention again, Milos Kosic. I mean, let's discuss yeah. that. Those who have followed him closely, be have any confidence that if Kosic was even available, he'd be playing these games. I don't. I mean, we already <laughs> saw that the most important game that was left in our calendar was home to Santos Laguna, and he started yes. Freddie Hall. Yeah. So why would you even put, like why is that name even being mentioned? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, whether he's had triplets or not, it seemed to make no difference yeah. that Kosic is playing. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it as you know a very nice, classy decision to allow Milos to stay home, look after his kids, 
instead of going on a big road trip to LA and to Agia and then to come down to New York. In a way, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense because there's really no point for him, you know, ooh, what's Kosic going to do? Maybe he'll put in a performance where we might get a point or something. That doesn't make any difference. But at the same time, don't be using that as an excuse. Oh, this is why we're losing because Kosic isn't here. As I say, it's like even before like, he, his partner actually gave birth like, to the triplets, they were going with Freddie Hall. Yeah, to, to actually come round now and be blaming that as so this is one of the reasons we're struggling is uh, it's a bit much. Yeah, it is a bit much, and even I mean again, even the comment of saying if you want to be hypercritical, then be it, hey, and it's like hey, if you want to be out of touch with reality, then go be out of touch with reality. Yeah, that's, it's, I mean, it's that's all very dismissive. It's like oh, you want to be hypercritical, I, oh, as if there's nothing to be hypercritical of. And you know, anybody who's finding something to criticize, oh well, you must be looking for it. Come on. It, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much it's right there how can you not yeah. it's, it's, you know, give us a, a game that we can't be critical of and I'm wondering don't criticize us for criticizing that and I and I wonder if that's I mean is this with the case where it's like Paul Mariner doesn't believe that he's you know that he's made his bed you reap what you sow and it's like we kind of talked about this it's like you know what I mean if you don't like them that's fine but don't complain after that you don't have the quality yeah. if you get rid of the Guzman Plata, Sulzma, who are all players who, who've proven that they can at least play at this level, and then bring in guys who are definitely below that quality in terms yeah. of Freddie Hall. You're playing Jeremy Hall at right back, you can't hack it. Ameriqua, who's a depth player at best, who you're starting. Yeah. Andrew Wiedemann. Ameriqua, fuck me. Yeah. I won't cut that one out. I'll okay. leave that in. That's nice. Um, you know, that's, and again, that's what I'm saying. Like, you've made your bed. So now you have and you can't, and now you, I mean, don't flip it around. Mm. on people who are pointing out the obvious yeah I mean, yeah it's like you, yeah, that was the perfect way to put it where it's like if it's all there in front of us be critical i mean it's like we're, we're not digging for stuff mm. we're not looking for things to be critical yes. about. It's, it's it's not like we're playing really well winning four or five nil and yet we're being critical what, what are we supposed to do yeah and yeah there's that uh, quotes uh, again you know, it was in that Sun article, it may have been elsewhere, I don't know. But yeah, he's kind of saying, oh, the beautiful game, you know, that's a long way off. I mean, right now with the squad we have, we just got to play this way. Okay, but you've had a big hand in getting that squad to this point. You got rid of de Guzman, yeah. Sosma Plata, who can play a more skillful game. Replace them with Aaron Mohan, who's going to do nothing. And, you know, Reggie Lamb, Ameriqua, you know, they've got speed. There's certain things they offer, but... Don't be complaining that you can't play, you know, maybe a nice passing game, a beautiful game, whatever. You've had a big part in getting the squad to the point where it can't do that. Right. And, and you know, you made a good point, too. That's, again, talking about people in the media saying things like, these players are injured, maybe give Mariner a break. Yet, the same people in the media were saying, fire Aaron Vinter. It's time for him to go. Yeah. Yet he didn't have Frings for a good chunk of the start of the season. Part of that yeah. 0 9 run, there was no Frings, mm -hmm. there was no Covermans. Covermans was ice cold. So it's like, mm -hmm. you can't have things both ways or speak yeah. with a forked tongue and say, well, this applies for him, but it doesn't apply for him. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Guess what? Yeah. Mariner's been dealt the same, pretty much the same fucking cards that Vinter had, mm -hmm. and he's shitting the bed equally. So why does why does why are we petitioning one guy to get fired and one guy to stay on? Yeah, I mean the narrative seems to be you know Vinter is clueless and incompetent. Mariner, oh he's just a victim of circumstances. Nothing's his fault. Twenty-one games in now, you know it's time to take some responsibility. I think. Yeah. 
And yeah. so, you know, I can even remember, if I scrutinize it closer, there's probably not as much to be positive about. But I even remember at the end of 2010 when Dasovich came in, watching those games and saying, like, hey, well, at least I'm watching something that I'm, yeah. I'm moderately entertained by. I distinctly yeah. remember that away game to Seattle. And while it was a I great... I was at that game. Oh, were you? Yeah. Nicholas Lindsay. He did very well. Do I remember? Set up a nice goal for Chad Barrett. That's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Chad Barrett. Loved that guy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's like Cracky kind of did like build a bit of a, a base... And it was when Chad Barrett got injured is when it all went wrong for Precky, but anyway. Oh, um, but you can't use... No, 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 no. No, no, no. You can't injury, use that can't excuse. use injuries? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Can't blame it on injuries. Precky did build himself a very, very thin squad, it's true. Um, very but yeah, I mean, after we kind of exchanged Precky for Dasovic, you know, he kind of took Precky's team and... Yeah, they, if they, I'm not mistaken, They looked well, I mean... That was the first team games. to win in D.C. They did beat DC. It was that like Jaime Moreno's last ever game. We we beat them three two. Yeah, I think Di Rosario yeah. had a goal or two. It was yeah. all down the, down to the wire. It was like yes, there was a couple yeah. moments there in a stretch where it was like, hey, the things are looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he yeah, uh, say against Houston, it's like you know, Diro got those two goals, like those two free kicks. You know, against yeah, Dasovic looked alright. Then and then he became a, what was it co- uh, head of. West Coast scouting, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it's very curious. Like, yeah, TFC. I mean, what's Bob DeClerc doing these days? What was he? He's like, like, he's a like the techni- new. No, it's like, like a, he's a, he's a technical manager yeah. or something like that. It's, he's a technical something mm-hmm. that nobody. I don't know what it means. <laughs> yeah, and again, there's reports about there. You know, there's various comments. You know, Paul Mariner just he's like keeping Bob DeClerc as far away from the academy as he can. It's like, all right, nobody's got any use for Bob DeClerc. Just fire him. Pay the man his severance and let him go. I, or what's, yeah. the, what's the point of continuing the illusion that he's on staff? <laughs> I don't when know. It, when clearly well, nobody... like he, he doesn't even do his, his fun little quirky videos with Thomas Wongan anymore. It's just Wongan all by himself. Bob DeClerc's nowhere. What's he doing? Just fine. Maybe, you know what? Maybe yeah. he ties his bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the... <laughs> <laughs> the clerk's in charge of tying Rongan's bow tie. Yeah. Nice. That's a, that's what yeah. he's good for. He stayed on for that. <laughs> but uh, I could see Jim Brennan in that role. Bob the clerk, maybe. I can, that's a sort of Jim Brennan type responsibility. Uh, I'd say. I bow think tie, so. something tie. something not super important. But you know what? A bow tie is difficult. Yeah. It's his, not his, easy to do. Yeah. Here's a question. I'm talking about Jim Brennan. And do you kind of is he now part of like Mariner's team? Say worst comes to the worst. Finally, there's the the report out there that. Mariner and Cochrane don't make the playoffs in the end of 2013, they're fired. Is Jim Brennan next in line, or is, is he going to be like part of the team? They will not be fired. Earl Cochrane <laughs> will, will, will have a new title. Paul Mariner will become solely the director of soccer operations, and then some, Then Jim Brennan will slide into that into that manager position. That's that's probably you know that's a, it's funny how it's like that's the worst case scenario, <laughs> which is the most likely scenario. Unfortunately. It is the most likely. I think you know best case, oh you know it's pretty eh, go with like Dickio and Jason Bent. It's like yeah, Dickio is the the main like face for the uh, you know, at least in terms PR of like purposes. Yeah, you know I think both of them like Dick has been keeping a much lower profile. Obviously Brennan's become an assistant, so you know maybe Brennan can get tied into. 
the current regime, so if it all goes wrong, he gets kicked out with them as well. I, I'm shocked, yeah. but you know, it's the same thing. Brennan's here for life, isn't yes. he? What am he, I talking he about? Is, He's here for he life. He is so in there with, like, the whole MLSE mold. Yeah. Where you're in the, I mean, we all, I'm sure, sit and be like, how is, what does Earl Cochran do, and how has he managed <laughs> to survive the That's last six years? And, what and, did he do even before he got to TFC? I mean, he was something with the CSA. I mean, oh, the CSA, there's... They've been doing really well. I, I don't know exactly what he did with them, but I mean, what, what's what's he really done, ever? I, I well, that's it. But now he's, you know, whatever those rumors may be, that he's up there as the GM, or seems like it's far above the qualification required to be, you know, running a sports team. But that's just, you know, that just seems to be the case. But you know what? We're, we're kind of uh, hitting that point where it's supposed to be winding down. But I wanted to, you know, I wanted to finish this. <laughs> we're least. just rambling on and raging against the machine right well, now. Well, this is right? what, it, hey, this <laughs> is what this podcast has turned into. Yeah. But you know what? It's nice to do it with someone new. Hey, uh, absolutely. You know, the last couple ones, Andre's been on, and he's he's yep. definitely a class half full guy that I think I've beaten him down into, like, into it, sort it, of being like, it you know what? It is kind of fun like, on Twitter now just, like, to see the people who are like, really optimistic and then just, like, you can kind of see them just kind of going down and down, and well, also uh, they've given up as well. When like, we started talking, like he's always sad, he definitely fun. has that view where he's like, you know, we got to give a guy a chance. Yeah. You know, give Mariner a chance, give Mariner a chance, and I've definitely, I think I've I've smacked him enough times. You know, like you go to the the CNE and there's like the the head pops up, you got to mash yeah, the, it down the, with the hammer. Yeah. yeah, so it's like a little like Mariner head pops up, you got to whack it down. And you're like, <laughs> give him a chance, boom. So it's like I, taking a rolled up newspaper to a dog, no. You're hypercritical. No. <laughs> Boom! Hit him on the head. Um, so that's kind of what it's come down to. But you know what? Let's let's try to find a little bit of something positive to finish off because after this DC game, which I'm sure will be a joy to watch. Oh yes. Certain results. Yes. Uh, there are two. At least I- Dero isn't there to score against yeah. us. And oh, small, small we can segue from that because there is there is two important fixtures in ah. Canadian football coming yes. up. Yes. Uh, at least in the city of Toronto. Let's kind of say that because obviously Vancouver is playing tonight. They have an important game. I think Montreal's out of the picture, but you know they're yeah, still winning. Montreal's winding. pretty much done. I, 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 I want. I would like Montreal to win, kind of keep their hopes up. It would be nice to. Uh, I wouldn't say we'll get a win and crush Montreal's playoff dreams, but maybe we can get a draw and that'll crush Montreal's playoff dreams. That'd be something. That's yeah. all we got there now. But we've got but Canada. Anyway, we do have Canada. Canada, yes. home in Toronto against Cuba, and I've said this before. You know, there are anyone listening to this is obviously these. This, this is the game. We saw the last game was awesome against uh, at home to Panama. I mean, that was yeah. one of the best, probably obviously since Jamaica came here. That was mm-hmm. the best atmosphere, the best crowd we've had at yeah. BMO Field for a national team game. Yeah, it was just a joy to be part of a crowd that really cared about a game that really mattered. I mean, that hasn't been the case for TFC for a long time. And just, yeah, the energy and the crowd there, it's a really good thing to be part of. And yeah, the Cuba game is, again, another huge game. And it's, you know, obviously I think Canada are coming in the huge favorites, but it's it's definitely a game to come out to to watch because we have to run up the score. Yes. Yeah, this is something that there's a good chance that how it might work, we may end up tied with Honduras on points. We need to be building goal difference. Obviously, we've only scored like two goals. Yes, yeah, two, two one nil wins, nil nil and a two nil loss. This is the game. All right, let's get as many goals as we can, give ourselves a chance. I mean, if we can win by a lot, maybe you know Panama beats Honduras, maybe opens up the opportunity where like a one nil defeat will actually be enough against Honduras to still qualify. So we, we need to be scoring goals. 
looking into, uh, you know, I, I said this once before, it's like I don't want to look past that Cuba game, but I think we should for the sake of this discussion. It's a big potential banana skin. I mean, this is Canada, but you know, yes, let's look on the positive to say we will at the very least get a minor small win out of that. And, and we, go away to, we go away to Honduras. Yeah. Oh, Honduras no, away. Now, 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 what, what, dun, dun, dun. Before we say that, I mean, it's just like, it is, again... It's, this is what you want. You want these games that mean something. These yeah. games that, have, that there's drama attached yeah. to it. And you want, to be, you want to be emotionally attached to the results. You know, can Canada learn from that Panama game? And at least, you know, <laughs> not have, stay at an accessible hotel? Not stay on the ground floor? Uh, you would hope so. I mean, there's got to be some kind of hotel or, you know, all-inclusive, whatever it might be. There's got to be somewhere... Where you know there's a security fence around it, there's a security perimeter where they can just hide out inside and get a good night's sleep. You would hope, right? You know, let's not be staying downtown. And uh, we saw yeah, that was an odd decision. Honduras has gone and done that in Panama, if I'm not mistaken. They've yeah. decided to go instead of to the whatever they went to the yeah, continental. Yeah, they're staying like this is like 20 odds or however many miles out of town. That's a good decision. I think, you know, it's, I guess, Canada maybe doesn't have that much experience of being, like, a threat that's worth doing that. I mean, last time, the World Cup qualifying, who was really going to care about, uh -huh, Canada, yeah, we played our first two games at home, we came out of them with one point, we were done. There was no point bothering us, there's no need to keep those guys awake. Yeah. Now, we're at the point where, ooh, these guys are actually rivals, they're actually worth bothering, that's nice that we're at that point, but... Let's let's not enable that. Let's at least make it difficult for them. Yeah. So what's your gut there, Duncan? What's your gut on uh, these two games? My my gut is. When I when I did that podcast with Lars, <laughs> he made a, a good comment saying when I said something, I can't remember how I put it, but his his response was like, "How Canadian of you." <laughs> and you've been here long enough, Duncan. Where if you said feel like we would win at home but we might get we might get shafted in Honduras that, I would just by saying yeah. how Canadian of you yeah been? yeah you know I'm a citizen and all that yeah I, I can't help think that's the way it's gonna go and that's kind of how I thought ever since the group came out and the fixtures were announced Honduras away is the way it's end it's all gonna be eh, okay we're gonna play well enough to be still in with a chance and we're gonna go to Honduras needing some kind of result and something's gonna go wrong yeah, I, I still kind of feel that's where I, I think we, we will be able to get a result against Cuba. We'll have 10 points. Obviously, we'll see how Honduras does against Panama, exactly how many points they have. But we're going to need some kind of result against Honduras. I don't know if it's going to be because where you know, Canada plays like it did in Panama and they don't really deserve it. Or maybe another one of those heroic like efforts where Canada just gets conquered. <laughs> Canada gets conquered. But I, the, there's really no way I can see us going into Honduras needing a result and coming away with that result. Baby steps, you look at it, it's it's a good thing that we've got ourselves into that position where, hey, we've played five games, we got to the last game, and we're still in with a chance. That's a step up from last year around, last yeah, 2008. But yeah, can me in the pessimist boat, something in Honduras will go wrong. It's going to be heartbreaking, <laughs> but it'll go wrong. Nothing, nothing new. No. Nothing new. Well, Duncan, you Amazing know what? how it happens every time. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna let myself get my hopes up. Do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, get my, I'm gonna get my hopes up. Look, uh, I got not, not a drop left oh, in this class. Empty glass. But, but I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I, I know, I know we'll win against Cuba at home. 
I think I think it might come down to I think it will come down to goal difference. So we might even lose at Honduras like one 0 <laughs> Wow. But still make it on goal difference. That's that, what I, that that's would what be I'm the most with. ridiculous thing. It's like we go into Honduras, a one 0 defeat will be enough. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm going with. I, I think that's probably. I hope so, man. Yeah. I, I, it would be so good to for for that to work, and you know, at the very least, yeah, more than likely we're not going to qualify out of the hex. But at the very least, hey, we've got ten really important games next year. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, it's Honduras away. It's going to go wrong. It just is. <laughs> <laughs> Canada in Honduras, it, it's not going to work out. Well, I didn't want to finish this podcast on such a low note there. We, we were talking about positives. Yeah, I know, we were trying, to, I was trying to, to spin be, this around yeah, into something yeah. positive. I think, but yeah, the good thing is, forget about Honduras. Cuba, it's going to be fun. Yes. It's going to be a great uh, occasion. It'll be a great experience, good atmosphere. Canada will win. And let's leave it at that. Yes, let's leave it at that. Okay. okay. Ten we're, points. We're getting at a good Woo. point in this podcast. Yeah, we're well into it. So, let's finish this up. <laughs> Dunga Fletcher, you're on the south side. Yes. Waking the Red. Woo. On Twitter at Waking the Red. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming out. You're very welcome. And we got me, Spark, Clark Arano on the north side. Uh, and I think that's it. We'll be back uh, next Saturday. DC United. Afternoon game. One of the last home games of the year. Mm-hmm. Should be fun. Last half full. Okay, so, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, catch you guys next time. Eastside Stand Up is the only Toronto C specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to be involved. Reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag ESSU or at Red Nation Online. You can email us at Have Your Say at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online. Get into the discussion on Toronto FC through Eastside Stand Up and Red Nation Online. For you I-